Let go of everyday worries and find your calm with positive prayer from Silent Unity, the newest in voice-activated technology, available on any Alexa-enabled device like the Amazon Echo. Each prayer and meditation on positive prayer will help strengthen, guide, and comfort you. To enable it, just say, Alexa, open positive prayer. You can ask for a specific prayer on topics like healing, prosperity, and comfort. Give it a try today. Thanks for joining us. This is UnityOnlineRadio.org, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, offering insights and practices for spiritually conscious living in today's world. Here is your host, Dr. Laurel Trujillo. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, where we talk about yoga in all its depth and breadth as a path to spiritually conscious and fulfilled living in today's world. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, host and producer of the show, and today we're going to be diving into the question, is it possible to change your destiny? And although that is a really big idea, the tools that yoga provides actually mean that we hope we can say yes, we'll see. Once again, I'm delighted to be joined by the founder and spiritual director of the Yoga Hour, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Yogacharya O'Brien is an acclaimed teacher, poet, award-winning author, and minister who has served seekers of spiritual enlightenment from all walks of life for over 40 years. She's the recipient of the 2021 New Thought Walden Award for Interfaith and Intercultural Understanding. She has published several books, including her latest book, The Jewel of Abundance, Finding Prosperity Through the Ancient Wisdom of Yoga. We're currently celebrating a year-long series of programs called Yoga Yatra, or Divine Pilgrimage, programs to honor the 40th anniversary of Yogacharya O'Brien's ministry ordination and the founding of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment. A teacher in the tradition of Kriya Yoga, Yogacharya O'Brien serves people from all faith backgrounds who are seeking self and God realization or awakening. Yogacharya O'Brien is the spiritual director of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, a meditation center in San Jose, California. You can find out more about her books and online programs at her author website, ellengraceobrien.com and at csecenter.org. You can also follow her on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by searching for Ellen Grace O'Brien. Welcome, Yogacharya O'Brien. I'm really delighted that you could join me today on the Yoga Hour. Thanks so much, Dr. Trujillo, and uh, thanks to the team of the Yoga Hour who um, makes it possible to tune in each week, and of course to all our listeners and subscribers. I'm delighted to be back on the program today. Before we begin our dialogue about changing our destiny through the tools of yoga, let's start with a present moment. Let's start with being here and to now. Oh. So let's begin just by paying attention to our bodies in space, wherever we are, whatever we're doing, we could be 
sitting, could be walking, standing, driving perhaps, just bringing our attention to our body and noticing the surfaces that support our weight. Where are our feet? What parts of our body are supported by our chair? And then bringing our attention to the breath. Just noticing as we take a fully conscious breath, the next inhale. And exhale. On the next inhale, feeling the cool air in the nostrils. And on the exhale, feeling the difference, feeling the warmth as the breath has passed through our lungs. And continuing to focus on our breath, resting right here, right where we are. Here's something to contemplate. A teaching from Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien's book, Living for the Sake of the Soul. Thoughts naturally arise We cannot stop them, but we can change them. And changing our thoughts changes everything. When we change what we focus on, we change our experience in life. Freedom is not only freedom from something. It is freedom to bring in the new, the good that is waiting for the right conditions to arise. Oh. Once again, Yogacharya O'Brien, here we are on the Yoga Hour, and today we'll be discussing Patanjali's Yoga Sutras, which is one of the key texts on yoga and one of the two primary texts that we study at the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment. We are focusing on this uh, partly because you will be offering an online course on the Yoga Sutras soon. So what, to begin, what is the importance of the study of the Yoga Sutras been in your own life? Mm, um, I'm really uh, looking forward to this conversation about Yoga Sutra. It's been, of course, really important to me. And uh, in that question, I think, Um, There's a couple of things I would just pull out, like what is the importance of study in my life? And Mm -hmm. I would say, um, you know, I've been a lifelong lover of study. You know, I loved it. I loved school. I love study today. And I think it's part of my nature um, that has, um, that's a, a key part of being a disciple on the path. Of yoga. You know, my teacher always talked about, you know, what is a disciple? A disciple is a learner. Mm. And so, uh, you know, it's an approach that we have to life that we're curious, you know, about how life works. And the Yoga Sutra is an amazing manual for that, like how the mind works, you know, how uh, we can learn to manage the mind or the chitta. Um, to live in a more skillful way. So first for me is the importance of study. And um, as we learn too in Yoga Sutra, uh, study is one of the fundamental um, practices of Kriya Yoga, study of scripture, study of, you know, the nature of your mind, study of life, (laughs) study 
uh, of yourself. And then I would also say that um, in, in, in terms of study, in terms of Yoga Sutra, in terms of meeting my guru, you know, what brought me to the path was that inherent curiosity or learning. Um, you know, I, I really wanted to know what is true mm. and not only wanted to know what is actually true. And of course, that's a really big question for people today. But, you know, I wanted to know what is true and I wanted to know how can I know it? Mm. You know, how can I know it for myself? And what is the valid criteria for something being true or not true? Mm-hmm. And um, so that was one of the first things that I learned from my guru, Roy Jean Davis, that um, just spoke to my heart and soul and mind and made a major difference. Um, so the Yoga Sutra is a manual for that. Like mm-hmm. how how can we know what is true? What is the criteria for that? And I think it's helpful to understand the um, context in which Yoga Sutra sits. And um, by that, I mean that it is one of the uh, six uh, orthodox, um, really theistic uh, philosophical systems of uh, Hinduism, of Vedic uh, Indian philosophy. And um, as a system of philosophy, it, it, it is interested in epistemology, meaning it investigates the nature and origin of knowledge. So that's its purpose. You know, it asks, how do we know what, what is true? How do we know what we know? And that's exactly what I was looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, and when we learn about philosophy, we learn that different systems have different um, ways of viewing um, what they call valid proofs or how we know what we know. And in yoga system, um, which is the, the primary um, compiler of yoga su- system is Sage Patanjali and his work is Yoga Sutras, which we're studying. So um, just to put that in context, but the, the valid proofs in yoga system or how we know what we know with accuracy are uh, our direct experience, direct, accurate perception, our inference, or the third is the valid testimony, which is, you know, through um, scripture or revealed authority. Um, so those three are the primary avenues of knowing what is true, a direct experience of it, inference or valid testimony. Mm-hmm. What I love about the Yoga Sutras is it, it really does tell us so much about our minds and how and how they work. So that's been a real joy for me of exploring that in my study of yoga with you and at the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment. We yeah, just want ahead. to say that, you know, um, I, I, I could hardly 
you know, overestimate, you know, how important this is. And, you know, as even a, a child, I, I, I was curious about this. And our education system, for the most part, you know, was about acquiring information. You know, knowledge was considered information. And Parmansaji said, you know, knowledge is, is not, uh, you know, pouring in from the outside, but it is um, coming into uh, direct experience of, of what we know is a, is a pulling from within. Mm-hmm. And so um, that distinction was really important for me to discover, well, how do we do that? And of course, Yoga Sutra shows us because all of the information that we gather is 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 useful uh, well I won't say all but it's useful but it's, <laughs> it's a useful thing you know to be able to acquire information but the information does not satisfy the heart and it doesn't give us um, you know a foundation for uh, truth Indeed, because information changes. I look back on my own training in, in medical school in the 80s, and there's been many, many, many changes in, in that information, that external information in that period of time. We have titled this episode of the show, Change Your Destiny. There will also be a part two of that, the same title, uh, next month with you. And it's a, it's a big claim right? Change your destiny. It sounds almost impossible. How do we do that? And yet, um, when you were teaching about this at the recent uh, New Year's retreat, I was very struck, you know, by this, by this idea. And that's why I wanted to bring it on the show. Would you comment on that? Is it really possible to change our destiny through the tools of yoga? Well, you know, just like uh, thinking about how do we know what we know? And how do we know what is true, uh, really investigating that. I think this question about destiny is such a powerful one and one perhaps we don't think so much about. You know, we, um, in the same way that, you know, we make the mistake of thinking knowledge is something, um, you know, exclusively uh, external, you know, we, we, I think we get so busy rowing our boat, you know, in the river of life um, that we don't think so much about this thing called destiny. And so, you know, I think it's useful just to stop right here in our conversation and ask, you know, ourselves, you know, for you and I and for the listeners, you know, what is destiny and how do you think about it? Um, you know, if you look at the definition, of course, it's it's something that's inevitable or preordained or it's one's lot or one's fate. And um, I was thinking about uh, a quote from the um, beautiful yoga master, Bob Haridas, who said, um, after something happens, people say it was bound to happen and that's destiny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Exactly. After I like that. After something happens. So, you know, we want to think about how we think about it and yeah. how much control um, we actually have, you know, over our quote unquote destiny. And what are the factors that play into um, destiny? There's a verse in the Bhagavad Gita, the 18th chapter, 14th verse, that um, 
talks about um, the five factors of action. Mm. And so we can kind of begin to think about destiny as it relates in that way as well. Um, verse 13 says, learn from me these five factors of action as declared in the Samkhya system. And we didn't mention Samkhya in the beginning, but it's another of the philosophical systems of the six uh, Indian philosophical systems that is, you know, considered a, a sister um, science to yoga, uh, for those who are unfamiliar with it. And then the 14th verse says the body, the seat of action or the place or the field, we can think of the agent of action, the organs involved in action, various actions themselves. And the fifth is providential influences. So that's referred to as a drishta, um, something which is unknown. Mm. So we have, you know, the agent of action, the doer, the tools of that action, the plate where it's taking place, the field, um, the action itself, the efforts are made, you know, and those are all things that we have some sense of agency with, right? right. You know, right. Um, but then the fifth factor, adrishta, unseen, is grace or providence, you know, fate or karma or, you know, like that. And um, my guru, you know, always talked about um, our the importance of being open to unplanned good fortune. That's how he approached life. And so this idea of um, that, that which we cannot control, you know, he held this positive view that the universe is imbued with supportive grace and power, and we can learn to cooperate with it. And so his commentary on this verse was to write, Providence is unplanned good fortune that unfolds because of supportive actions of evolution and grace. The beneficial unfoldments which we may anticipate or which may express in spite of our errors or negligence. Providence is sometimes referred to as spiritual destiny. Knowing this, it can be helpful to perform constructive actions while remaining alert and responsive to indications of the actions of providence. You know, that just says it so beautifully, doesn't it? You know, like do what you can with the, you know, the organs of action that are available to you. And at the same time, understand that there's always this unknown factor in every action. There's unknown factor and um, stay alert to the supportive influence of grace so that you can have your agency available to cooperate um, with that supportive influence. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We've been talking about destiny, and now I want to make the connection with the Yoga Sutra. So the beginning of the Yoga Sutra, Sutra 1.2, reads, Yoga Chitta Vritti Nirodaha is the Sanskrit, and your teacher, Eugene Davis, who is a direct disciple of Paramahansa Yogananda, translated this as, Samadhi is experienced when fluctuations and changes in the meditator's awareness are restrained and pacified. This is from his book, The Science of Self-Realization. I'm going to read that again. Samadhi is experienced when fluctuations and changes in the meditator's awareness are restrained and pacified. 
Is there an analogy that would help us to understand this more clearly? Yeah, there's classic analogy that's used. Um, and again, um, this is about explaining the nature of the mind and the nature of consciousness and um, showing us, in a sense, our ability to um, use the mind to overcome the mind. And um, so here, you know, the mental field, uh, the classic example is the mental field or the chitta is, um, is compared to a lake, um, you know, body of water and the consciousness the light of consciousness, which illumines the mind. In this system, mind itself is not considered sentient. It is consciousness um, that illumines the mind. And so in this example about how the chitta or the mental field functions, um, mind as um, the, the uh, field of perception is compared to a lake. And that when the lake is calm, that light of the moon is reflected in the lake and can be seen. Okay. And, uh, but when the lake is, you know, there's power boats on it and it's um, <laughs> um, churned up with waves, then that image of the moon is either distorted or not seen at all. So, you know, this refers to our ability to be aware of, um, our own essence as uh, consciousness, um, as that light itself, which is um, illuminating the mental field. Mm -hmm. Did I answer your question? Yes, yes, that, that was it, yeah. I wanted to provide listeners with an analogy that's such an important sutra at the beginning of the Yoga Sutras that talks about uh, consciousness, and it kind of sets the stage for all of the conversation that we're going to have. One of the tools that yoga provides, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say that um, we didn't talk about samadhi here in this, ah. you know, in this, that, um, you know, this says um, that samadhi is experienced when those fluctuations or those waves, wave-like motions in the mental field are restrained and pacified. And samadhi, of course, is, you know, he, he would say being restored to our original wholeness um, meaning oneness, um, conscious uh, abidance in our essence of being. So it's not just um, cognizing it or, mm -hmm. or seeing it, but it's experiencing it directly, which goes back to, you know, one of the valid proofs um, of what is true that is mm. offered in uh, Patanjali's Sutra. Mm -hmm. One of the tools that yoga provides is a way to understand our habitual behaviors through an understanding of these things called samskaras. And we haven't talked about samskaras very much on the yoga hour, which is why I wanted to get a chance to talk about it with you. The Sanskrit word samskaras refers to repeated patterns of behavior that become ruts, which then direct our future behavior. 
when I was first studying this, it really helped me to understand, to imagine how water tracks down a hill. So what, once water has established a path down a hill when it rains in the future, of course, the water follows that same path, or we can think about a path, um, the footpath that becomes worn down through people's, you know, repeated walking on it. So would you elaborate on this? Would you say more about samskaras? Yeah, I would come back to saying that um, Yoga Sutras is um, is a profound manual on how to manage the chitta or the mental field. Um, and so one of the first things we learn is that our experiences in life, what we think, what we encounter, what we do, um, create impressions in the mental field. And those impressions are called samskara. And particularly the uh, experiences that come with heightened emotion or strong experiences create like a deep groove um, or repeated things um, that become you know, habitual patterns. And so a samskara is a subtle imprint in the chitta or the mental field. It's a latent uh, impression and it, creates a, uh, a predisposition then from our past experience. Um, so it's, it's the answer to the question that we have, you know, yoga sutra is very practical and it's really important, you know, these are lofty philosophical concepts, but we have to bring it down to, well, what does it mean to me, you know, and how does this impact my life and what does it matter and what is it really about? Um, and, and so it's, it's the response to that timeless question, you know, why do I do what I do? Why do I behave the way that I behave? Mm -hmm. You know, why do I say I want to do one thing and then not do it? Or why do I say I don't want to do something and do it anyway? So this is a very powerful insight. Yes, yes, very much so. And we're almost at the break. But when we come back from the break, we're going to then make that connection between samskaras, these samskaras that we have, and our destiny. What's that relationship? And then is it possible to change that relationship? You're listening to The Yoga Hour with author, poet, and spiritual teacher, Yogacharya O'Brien. And we're discussing the wisdom from the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali. And in particular, you can change your destiny. Yogacharya offers many online classes and programs and has authored several books, which you can learn more about at her website, ellengraceobrien.com, and O'Brien is B-R-I-A-N.com, and also from the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment website, csecenter.org. These links will also be on our website, theyogahour.com. We welcome your comments and questions. You can contact us through that website, theyogahour.com. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, producer and host of the show. And please come back with us. We'll be discussing more about how to change your destiny. Let go of everyday worries and find your calm with positive prayer from Silent Unity, the newest in voice-activated technology, available on any Alexa-enabled device like the Amazon Echo. 
Each prayer and meditation on Positive Prayer will help strengthen, guide, and comfort you. To enable it, just say, Alexa, open Positive Prayer. You can ask for a specific prayer on topics like healing, prosperity, and comfort. Give it a try today. We're glad you found us. This is UnityOnlineRadio.org, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour, insights and practices for spiritually conscious living. Welcome back from the break. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, host and producer of the show, and I'm here with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien talking about changing our destiny. And right before the break, we were talking about samskaras, what they are. And I wanted to take another moment, Yogacharya, and make a further connection then between samskaras and destiny. How do samskaras create our destiny? Well, yeah, I wouldn't, I don't think I would say that samskaras create our destiny, or maybe contribute to our destiny. Yeah, it's a better yeah, way of putting it. Yeah, because we do. Uh, I believe we do. Um, that's that's the goal of waking up, which is being liberated from that um, unconscious um, uh, you know, being compelled by patterns in the mind. You know, that's mm-hmm. what the whole thing is is about. So often, you know, when we think of um, a destiny, we think of karma, you know, as related to that. So right. it might be so think about, well, what is karma and how is that related to samskara? And, you know, I think of, you know, samskara as being, um, in a sense, the the recording system of karma, you know, that, uh, you know, karma is the accumulation of our, our deeds. And in the Indian philosophical system, it's like this life and past lives, even, and they use it to explain, you know, how it is that we have certain um, tendencies that we come into life with, you know, and, and any parent, I think, you know, (laughs) observes that, um, you know, children come in with very different uh, uh, karmas or destinies, you know, uh, we can observe. So even if we raise them in the same way, they, they're in the same household, they have the same parents, they're, you know, they come in, you know, very different. So that's something to observe. Um, so, you know, karma is is that relationship of our actions to, you know, what what we bring forth, you know, that's like, as you sow, so shall you reap. Um, is is the potency of an action which can bring forth, you know, joy or sorrow in the future. Um, and so samskaras are are those latent impressions, those uh, subtle impressions that uh, make up our our karma. Mm-hmm. What I always appreciated about this idea of samskaras, though, is is the power that we have to change them. Mm-hmm. That they can be both negative. For example, if you're in a situation in which you've gotten angry before, um, you perhaps may be a bit more triggered to, or triggered more easily to anger again in a similar situation. And 
in the same way, we can lay down positive samskaras. And this, to me, was such an exciting idea, (laughs) which I think is really perhaps when I think about changing my destiny, it seems to be the most important one is that we can change how we react in a given situation. So can you say more about that? How, how we can help some cars can be also positive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you for that. Um, I noticed, you know, when I'm teaching yoga philosophy and I get to the part where I'm teaching about samskara and I say to the group of students, you know, one of the things that we learn in yoga philosophy is that everything we do, everything we think, everything we say, everything we do is recorded in the chitta. It's like a hard drive. You know, that's an example from our technology today. And and that has the potential to then influence your future um, thoughts, speech, actions, and destiny. And when, when I put that out there, um, very often the students who are new to those concepts look like deer in the headlights. You know, it's just a terrifying <laughs> thought. Yes. Like, wow, you know, my speech and my actions have so much power. Um, you know, they're all recorded and then they're going to influence, you know, what I do next. And so, like you say, then, you know, like part two of that is, oh, we one, we become conscious of it. And mm-hmm. so that makes us more um, mindful of what we are bringing forth with our thoughts and our speech and our actions. So that's the first step. You know, it makes Mm -hmm. us more mindful, makes us more aware. You know, the first reaction is that we don't want to say or do anything because (laughs) we like, whoa, you know, this is a powerful tool we have here. And of course it is, you know, the mind is an incredibly powerful tool. So the sutra is teaching us that, yes, there's this powerful tool and here's how you use it. So uh, we we become aware of this activity of creating samskara, of imprint, and we learn that we can then, as you said, make different choices. You know, we can make different choices uh, of how we want to think, what we want to say, what we want to do. That can create um, a positive uh, imprints. Mm-hmm. And so that's helpful. That I call um, changing the contents of the mind, you know, mm-hmm. so we begin to make different choices. And, you know, our meditation and our other spiritual practices make that possible by beginning to purify the chitta. In other words, you know, we were talking in the first segment about the light of consciousness shining into the mental field, the chitta. Um, But if the chitta is, you know, so um, disturbed with thought, activity and emotion and identification with those thoughts and emotions, then there is not much light of consciousness that pervades that mental field. It's clouded with the qualities of restlessness and heaviness. Um, So as yogis, we cultivate the light of sattva that quality of luminosity that allows um, for the perception of consciousness. So my point of that is that those spiritual practices give us more light in the mental field. So Mm -hmm. we can begin to perceive 
the potential impact of what we're going to say or what we're going to do. Is it going to contribute to freedom, to peace, uh, you know, to happiness, or is it going to bring sorrow? So we develop this tool of discernment and we become capable then of changing the contents of the mental field. But ultimately, yoga philosophy is about being able to change what I call change the climate of the mental field. Um, you know, which has to do with, um, you know, experiencing samadhi, um, purifying the field uh, more thoroughly and having that direct experience of what we are, which then um, actually changes the mental field so that pain producing thoughts um, uh, are uh, neutered. <laughs> In other words, they don't, they don't have a chance to, um, blossom. Mm -hmm. Um, and so this is a very important part of the science, uh, mental science that we find in Yoga Sutra. Mm -hmm. And I love yeah. the way I love that term, the mental science, because it does seem like that to me when I read the Yoga Sutras, it's, it's very, um, thorough and very, scientific understanding really of the mental of of our thoughts and our processes our mental processes you mentioned just now pain producing pain producing and i wanted to go back to the yoga sutras yoga sutra 1.5 is translated by roy eugene davis as mental modifications are fivefold they may cause pain which the sanskrit word is klista or pleasure a klista so mental modifications are fivefold. They may cause pain or pleasure according to prevailing circumstances that allow their effects to be actualized. So getting back to this idea of pain producing mental modifications or pain producing samskaras, where do those then come from? I wanted to really dive into this idea of the kleshas of these five obstacles that we have to overcome. So can you make that connection for our listeners of um, the pain producing uh, samskaras and uh, diving in to uh, the kleshas? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So let's go back just a little bit because we are saying mental modifications are fivefold. So what does that refer to? And, and that really is explained in the next sutra, which is that there are five different types of vrittis or modifications in the mental field of chitta, which are valid proof, you know, which we've always we talked about in the beginning of three types of valid proofs, um, according to yoga sutra philosophy. So there's one um, type of vritti, which is valid proof. Um, there's wrong cognition. So in other words, there's, there's valid, uh, proof, right cognition. There's wrong cognition. There's, uh, imagination, uh, imaginary cognition, there's sleep and there's memory. So those are the five types of thought activities or vrittis, um, that potentially refers to, and that everything else, you know, it falls into one of those five buckets. So, of those five ways in which we experience changes or modifications or cognitions in the mental field, those can all either be helpful or not helpful. <laughs> so, um, so what is the difference between what is helpful and what right. is not helpful? 
And the, so the pain producing uh, vrittis, the pain producing changes um, of thoughts or in the mental field are those really that have their origin in the, the, the klesha, the obstacle of ignorance or avidya, which is wrong knowledge. You know, that's confusion about what we are. It's, it's not knowing that our, that the consciousness itself is what we are, but we mistake um, that that we are, you know, the body-mind complex that has a soul, you know, rather than we are that light of the soul or of consciousness that's shining into the mental field. So that um, was called the primary error or ignorance, the primary klesha. Um, gives rise to um, the the other pain-producing obstacles, which are uh, the ego sense, um, asmita, and then we have the next three that are, you know, I would call the props of the ego, like what keeps the ego in place um, is uh, attraction, you know, forms of desire, attraction, aversion, and um uh, a benivesha, which is a fear of of death. Mm-hmm. That Patanjali, <laughs> <laughs> he pulled together some stuff. <laughs> he pulled together some stuff, and so so. Where do pain producing samskaras come from? They come from uh, that they're rooted in ignorance, and so right. that's the. That's the thing that I was referring to about changing the climate of the mind so that through the experience of higher states of consciousness, through samadhi, in which the mental field is illumined by the light of truth, let's say it that way, by the direct experience of what we are. You know, mind becomes quiet, yoga, chitta, vritti, nirodha, mind becomes quiet, then the light of the self shines into the mental field and is experienced directly and ignorance when we say the darkness of ignorance cannot prevail in that you know it's like they say you know bring a light into a dark room and the darkness flees and so the darkness of ignorance flees in the light of those higher states of consciousness and so then the clashes the pain producing obstacles have nothing to cling to and they can't be in that room anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Such a beautiful way of, of putting it. And I love this idea, the way that you said it, changing the climate of mm-hmm. the mental field. And when we talk about changing our destiny, we've already talked about how we can develop positive samskaras. It's one way we can change our destiny. And then this is another way through the experience of samadhi and through the changing the climate of the mental field, that that also, I think, well, unquestionably yeah. would change our destiny if we if we have that experience or that we have that experience repeatedly, let's say that. Yeah, we learn how to work on two levels. You know, we learn how to be more aware of our thoughts, our speech, and our actions, and we do our best, you know, to lean, one teacher said, to lean towards the light, 
you know, to do um, those things which are beneficial, you know, which are supportive, which are in harmony with dharma, you know, with the highest truth of our being and the laws of of spirit and nature. Um, So we work at that level, but then the higher level is this um, practice of samadhi, Um, cultivating higher states of consciousness and so it's a twofold approach and they're they're tied together so you know one helps to purify the mental field so that samadhi can occur and uh, we can be established in those higher states of of consciousness you see why yoga is about skillful living every day, you know, to help purify the mental field and the physical body and the uh, subtle pathways of of energy that that are are conducive to higher states of consciousness. And then the practice of superconscious meditation that you know puts us at the door every day for um, experiencing um, samadhi. So it's both living, you know, in the world. Uh, cultivating right thought, right speech, right action, purify the mind and uh, the body, and then practicing meditation um, to uh, cultivate higher states of consciousness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've heard the teachings from you before about the components of the mental field. And one of them is the booty or our, our uh, ability to discern the process of discernment. Um, And it seems to me, if we're going to change our destiny, that that seems a very important piece, our discernment, our ability to tell um, how to act. Mm -hmm. So would you, did you want to comment a bit more about the, um, about the, um, about our ability to discern and how we can get better at that. Um, you've already mentioned, obviously, superconscious meditation is going to bring more of that um, lumin- luminosity, that quality of uh, of clarity to the uh, to the booty. And I guess really the question is, how do we discern um, between our soul desire versus ego desire? Wow, that's a- that's actually a lot of questions in one, isn't it? <laughs> so, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that's all right. So what is buddhi? What is the function of buddhi as a faculty of uh, discernment? And in, in, in the yoga system, mind has different components. You know, the sense mind that is uh, picking up the impressions from the organs of sense and, you know, uh, Ahamkara presenting it to buddhi, the faculty of discernment. Um, Let me just say that the highest role of buddhi, um, which is that 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 aspect of mind that is closest to um, a closest proximity of our essence of being most like, we'll put it that way, that when the buddhi becomes illumined, and this has to do with the presence of sattva, that quality of luminosity in nature, um, that we cultivate through right speech, right action, through meditation, all those things. When buddhi becomes purified, 
um, and becomes completely purified, it becomes like a mirror in which the self is reflected to itself. <laughs> and, and that is, in a sense, the highest goal of yoga, because that is where the recognition of what we are occurs. So that is how Kaivalya or is this, uh, liberation is described in Patanjali's Yoga Sutra, that there is this um, recognition of the self as distinct from the changes and the qualities in nature, pure existence being. But buddhi, in a sense, is the agent of that. The faculty of discernment becomes purified to the degree that it is like a mirror that reflects the self. This is a beautiful way of understanding, in a sense, you know, we look at the mind and how the mind can be a, a, a problem for us, you know, with samskaras and the habitual patterns and things that arise unbidden and so on and so forth. You know, mind can be our great enemy, but mind can also be um, our, our friend. And so in answer to your question, you know, we, with yoga, we are constantly um, doing what we do to purify the mental field, to allow us to have clearer discernment so we can see the way that things are. We can become aware of our own patterns in the mind. <clears throat> we can see clearly what's going on around us. Our intuition, our ability to know by knowing directly awakens all of that. But then there's also this ultimate function of a clarified um, buddhi, which is the experience of liberation that occurs when buddhi becomes like a mirror. Wow. That, no, that's so great. That's so great. So thank you so much for that. That's really lovely. And with that, we've got a couple minutes left. I wanted to give you a chance uh, in closing, what words of encouragement or inspiration would you like to share with our listeners? Oh, I guess I would like to just um, give those words to uh, give the words of and deep bows to the gurus in our Kriya Yoga tradition. And I, my thoughts turn to Sri Lahiri Mahashaya, who said, you know, keep on keeping on. Behold, one day the goal. And that seems like such a, you know, I kind of have goosebumps as I'm saying it because it seems such a valid um, and heartful and inspiring description of, you know, keep on with your practices of yoga that are, you know, supporting you in skillful living, in your ability to cooperate with the infinite. And then behold, one day, this goal of realization of the highest truth of the absolute, uh, of the experience of absolute reality. So both and keep on keeping on be steadfast in your practice behold one day the goal i love that i love that uh um saying that writing from from lahiri that's just very beautiful and also i think um so necessary we are on this path and uh it it um 
it's not a quick one <laughs> to live from these teachings, to live deeply from these teachings. It's a process that mm-hmm. takes some time. And mm-hmm. for him to just say, hey, keep keep it up, keep going, mm-hmm. keep on keeping on, and one day the goal. Yeah, it's lovely. It's necessary to be steadfast. And I just would go back to the first part of the hour where I said, you know, I, would, I was blessed with this um so I don't know, karma, let's call it grace, <laughs> karma, grace, to be curious all my life and mm-hmm. to have that um, yearning that has made me uh, steadfast on the path. You know, it has really been a part of the trajectory of my life to want to learn more about, you know, who am I? What am I? What where did I come from? Where am I going? What is God? What is truth? And I think we all have those curiosities and the path of yoga is about honoring them mm-hmm. and uh, knowing that uh, we can discover that truth and we can know it for ourselves. Mm. Beautiful. You've been listening to The Yoga Hour. It's been my pleasure to share this time with you. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, producer and host of The Yoga Hour, and I've been here with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien discussing how the tools of yoga can help us to change our destiny. Again, Yogacharya is um, just launching a year-long series of Yoga Yatra, or Divine Pilgrimage Programs, to honor the 40th anniversary of her ministry ordination and the founding of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment. You can find out more about that at csecenter.org and find out more about Yogacharya's books and teaching programs at her website, ellengraceobrien.com. This program will be posted on our website, theyogahour.com, and all of Yogacharya's links will be there as well. For listeners, we hope you'll join us for the many online programs offered by the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment. Currently, we have daily online meditation in the morning from 6.30 to 7.30 a.m. and in the afternoon at 4 p.m. and also on Monday evenings at 7.30. Sunday satsang is at 10 a.m. each week. All these times are Pacific time. And the uh, series with Yogacharya O'Brien will continue on Sunday, March 12th. She will be offering the second of a satsang series of the five elements entitled Water. The supreme good is like water. Cultivate humility, perseverance, and flow. You can listen to the first satsang of the series, which is on earth. Earth, original intimacy, the living earth has secrets to show us by going to her website, ellengraceobrien.com. Thank you so much, Yogacharya O'Brien, for joining me today on the show. Thank you, Dr. Trujillo, and my love and regards to all of the listeners. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Let go of everyday worries and find your calm with positive prayer from Silent Unity, the newest in voice-activated technology, available on any Alexa-enabled device like the Amazon Echo. 
Each prayer and meditation on Positive Prayer will help strengthen, guide, and comfort you. To enable it, just say, Alexa, open Positive Prayer. You can ask for a specific prayer on topics like healing, prosperity, and comfort. Give it a try today.